Welcome to Do Beautiful Things. I'm your host, Jenny Lawson, President and CEO of Keep America Beautiful. In this podcast, we'll discuss ending litter, the truth behind recycling, and making communities beautiful for people and for a more sustainable future. We'll be talking to industry experts, community leaders, and everyday people who want to do the right thing, including from time to time, my mother. Thank you for joining us. I hope you learned something, and I know I will. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. You are listening to our first podcast episode in a series we're calling Recycling Reality Check. This series will help us to understand the truth behind recycling, bust recycling myths, and get clear on the facts. In today's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Michael Washburn. Michael's an expert in his field and has been working with Keep America Beautiful as a consultant and a senior policy advisor. Previously, Michael has worked with the Recycling Partnership as an advisor, a consultant for clients, and has worked with major environmental NGOs, global corporations, and charitable foundations, and has even served as the Vice President of Sustainability at Nestle Waters in North America, and was a Senior Director at the Wilderness Society. Because of this extensive background that crosses from business to the nonprofit sector to academia, we are delighted to have Michael join us, and we knew he would be the perfect guest to open our show. Our discussion will set the tone for other conversations and we'll dive into deeper topics around recycling behavior, the life of an aluminum can, the science behind PET, plastic water bottles, and so much more. We are grateful for your participation and happy to go on this journey together. Welcome, Michael. Jenny, thanks. I'm pleased to be with you and I'm excited to be your inaugural guest on what I know is going to be an amazing series of these podcasts. It's a very important set of topics and I'm eager to jump in. So let's do it. Let's jump right in. You know, I think one of the things that we were hoping to do was to answer the the uh, myths that are out there about recycling, right? So, so much of what the noise is at the moment around recycling is why it doesn't work, where it's failing, that it doesn't work at all. But I think that there's got to be a path for this conversation that gets to the facts of the matter and help people understand in a really straightforward way just what's happening out there. We are uh, headed down this journey to talk about recycling. And so maybe let's start there. Like, Why do people claim that recycling is a myth? I think a lot of us expect that recycling is a fairly straightforward topic. We probably think of it mostly from the perspective of putting things in the bin at our home and having them picked up by a truck once a week. However, there's a lot of other perspectives. That material after it leaves our home takes a really fascinating journey, usually to a municipal or a private recycling center, what we call a materials recovery facility or a MRF. And then it goes out to end markets after it's been processed where it then gets consumed by, in some cases, really big companies and put back into various products or packaging. That is a multi-billion dollar industry in this country, and it has been for probably north of 40 years. I think when people talk about it as a myth, what they're trying to suggest is maybe the promise, the belief that people have that when they put something in the bin, that it's necessarily going to get recycled. That promise 
is not always fulfilled. And there's a lot of reasons for that that have to do with contamination. If people put the wrong thing in the bin or maybe the, the fact that there are lots of different kinds of plastics and some of them are more technically recyclable than others. There's a whole lot of reasons that for plastics specifically, recycling rates are fairly low. But when people say it's a myth, that sort of starts a process of people being skeptical about whether recycling works at all. I think when people think about recycling, one of the first things they think about are the plastics, right? The plastic water bottles, the plastic bags. What is plastic? Well, boy, uh, it's certainly a topic that's gotten a lot of attention. I mean, plastic in many ways is a magical material. Uh, we use it in medical applications. It's in our cars. It's in our kitchens. Obviously, it's a preferred packaging material. And the reason it is, is because it's lightweight. And in many instances, it is recyclable. Uh, I say in many instances because it gets kind of complicated. Sometimes there's multiple kinds of plastic mixed together. That's harder to recycle. Sometimes it has adhesives or labels on it that cause problems. But I think it's important for people to understand. And actually, Jenny, it was a friend of ours on the staff at Keep America Beautiful who reminded me of this. You know, plastic comes from oil. If you think of PET plastic, that plastic in a water bottle, that's part uh, derived from crude oil and in part derived from natural gas. And the idea that we would take that material that we already know has had an environmental cost to create it in the first place and throw it away is astonishing to me. You wouldn't throw gasoline away. It's too valuable. So, and we don't want gasoline or plastic in the wrong place. So when plastic goes on a roadside and goes down a storm drain and ends up in a waterway and ends up in the ocean, that's doing harm to all of us. It's wasteful yeah. and it's harmful. Yeah. You know, I think it's really interesting. The idea of throwing away um, is a bit of a misnomer, right? It doesn't go away. Um, I think when we when we make a decision, we're throwing into, right? You're either throwing it into a landfill, throwing it into an incinerator, or hopefully throwing it into a recycling stream or a compost, uh, right? Like, I think if we could change the nomenclature and, and articulate, I am throwing, you should throw this into um, because we we circulate that waste in different ways. Some of it's healthy for us and some of it's not. And so the recycling conversation is about throwing things into the recycling stream so that they can be reused and reformulated for new products and new services. Is recycling plastics, so my soda bottle, is that really worthwhile? Should we be doing that? Oh gosh, yes. Um... So I used to work for Nestle Waters North America, uh, which at the time that I was there a decade ago, it was the third largest beverage company in America. And even then we were trying to get recycled plastic from the market to put back into our supply chain. And it turns out that we would have used a lot more of it if more bottles had been recycled. If you get a, a, a PET water bottle 
and that's what one, that's what the that's what the water bottle is that most of your water comes in, right? That's a PET bottle. That's right, a Coke bottle, a Dasani bottle, a Nestle. And so that's water. a number one in those little chasing triangles. Yep. If you see the the resin identification code, it's a number one. That is highly recyclable. It's easy to sort. If people get that in the bin, it is almost certain to be recycled. Let's talk about where that breaks down, right? Because there were a couple of ifs in that statement. If people get in the bin, most likely to be recycled, where, where does the system turn upside down, not work? I mean, one thing I'm sure the listeners will recognize if you travel around, you go and visit your mom somewhere, you find out, gosh, she can't recycle all the same things that you can or vice versa. Uh, so the first place it breaks down is consumers get confused. They're not sure what they can put in the bin. Sometimes they don't put in things that they should, like the water bottle. And sometimes they put in things that maybe they shouldn't. Like in some communities, you can't put in the little uh, clamshells, for example, that tomatoes would come in, the little plastic clamshells. Those are PET, it's the same material, but for various reasons in that community, that format of the package can't be processed. So the way to solve for that is to get really clear in your community about what you can and can't recycle. And that's usually posted on your city's website. Um, there's also some new technology that's out there. Uh, my friends at the Recycling Partnership just started a program called Recycle Check, where you can look at a QR code with your phone and it'll tell you if you can recycle a particular product. So, Oh, wait, that's super cool. Yeah, so that cool? You, you can take your PET bottle and that QR code that's on there and, and or anything that's got a QR code and, and flash your phone at it and figure out whether or not it's recycled. Click it, plug in your zip code, and it'll give you an answer. And if you can't put it in your uh, curbside bin, it'll tell you what else you can do. That's great. And and what's the name of that resource on the Recycling Partnership website? Yeah, Recycle Check. Well, I think we should try and get that on ours, too. So I think we can see what we can do to look for it um, all around. More people should know about that. So... Um, so that's great, right? Like that's a really important step to helping people really get that bottle back. And it sounds like another piece of it is um, getting more clarity and, and more infrastructure to handle some things that may be out of the perfectly clean plastic number one PET bottle, right? Like the more we can get more infrastructure and in, in these things are called MRFs, right? Where where the where the stuff goes, more MRF uh, that are better able to handle a variety of products uh, successfully will get us more success in recycling. It'll make recycling work. Yeah, absolutely. And like anything, you could always argue that more money will help solve the problem. There is uh, public investment coming. Uh, out of the bipartisan infrastructure law, for example, there is industry financing where you have private waste companies and sometimes even brands investing in the improvement of MRFs to get better stuff back. Uh, really advanced MRFs have, if they're super fun to tour, by the way, Jenny, we should go and look at some. Yeah. Uh, 
they've got modern robots and scanners that can identify different colors of glass, different plastic resins, and send them down the correct line so that they have really clean, sorted material at the end. And that technology and infrastructure is the next big piece of the answer. Yeah, well, and and so I think the one way that people can get engaged in making recycling work better than it does is to advocate for those things in their community, um, to to advocate and support investments that allow us all to recover what is you know really important natural resource, right, or or, or unnatural chemically created resource, but a resource that can keep serving us without having to create new. And I think the word they use is virgin plastic, right? We don't we can reuse the plastic that's already out there and sort of um, take advantage of the supply that's already been created, rather than having to continue to produce brand new plastics all the time, which takes energy, which takes, you know, has a high carbon footprint, which has a, you know, chemical aspects to it and all sorts of things that we want to try and limit as much as we can, right? So it's the reuse, right? Reuse and recycling can kind of go hand in hand together. And of course, all of this doesn't uh, doesn't replace reduce either, especially when it comes to those plastic water bottles. I know in the Atlanta airport, right? The 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 bottle bottle fillers are all at, all over, and and I'm here in Connecticut, fly in and out of LaGuardia. LaGuardia now has great bottle bottle fillers at all of those water fountains where you can refill the water bottle that you've brought through um, empty, of course, but brought through security. Um, you know, it it really can make it really can make a difference. Um, so how do we get more people to recycle? Well, I'll tell you what, as you were describing your walk through the airports, it reminds me there's another piece of this. You know, we talked about uh, residents putting things in their bins at home. We talked about infrastructure. We talked about MRF development. Having access to recycling is another important piece. And there are still a lot of homes, millions of homes in the United States that don't have uh, weekly pickup. Uh, maybe they have a community drop-off, which is good, but of course, the more convenient you make it for people, the better. And in the airport, how many times have you had that crushed water bottle and tried to find the right place to put it and had difficulty finding a bin? In, in my perfect world, you would have a recycling bin for plastic, metal, glass, and paper everywhere that you would see a trash can. Nothing frustrates me more than watching people have to throw a perfectly good uh, bottle or can into a trash can and yeah. knowing that it's going the wrong way, right? So yeah, I mean, all of that put together is going to make a difference. Um, by the way, uh, one thing we left out it's also really important when you do recycle that the, the package that you put in the bin is clean. If there's food, if there's other kinds of things that are not part of the package that go along with it, that can actually do things like gum up the machinery at the MRF. Think for example, plastic bags. Uh, they don't belong in a single stream recycling uh, system. So, Take Michael, them. let me stop you just a second. There, there's a word there that might not may not be familiar to everyone. So, single stream. If I if I 
got it right. Single stream is everything goes in the bin. Your your plastic, your metal, your glass, and then it gets sorted out at that MRF. Is that, that is that single stream? That's exactly right. Yep. Right. Yep. And plastic bags never go there. They get stuffed into one one another and taken to Walmart or one of the other you know bigger stores that grocery stores many times will have a, a plastic bag recycling. That's where those go. They don't go in your recycling bin. Yeah, that's right. And right. so some, sometimes that complexity is, I think, what inhibits people from doing the right thing. They uh, there's something called wish cycling, right? Where you sort of wish that it's all going to work out and you put that wrong thing in the bin. You really shouldn't do that because you actually could sacrifice all the good hard work you did putting all the right things in there uh, by creating that contamination that sometimes a whole truckload will have to be taken away because there's so many problems in it that they just can't sort it all out. And that's, that's yeah. really yeah. One of our partners here at Keep America Beautiful at Cox had a, a great line, which is we don't need a few people to do recycling perfectly. We need a lot of people to do a good job. And so it's I think it's a really great um, illustration of of what you're getting at. Right. Which is how do we help all of us do a good job? And I'm going to push you a little bit on the what does it mean to have it be clean? Like. How clean? This is a question my mom asks all the time. Like if I've got a little bit of oil residue um, uh, from that soup can and I've rinsed it, is that enough or do I need soap in there and it's got to be pristinely clean? How clean is clean? Well, I would think of it this way. It's what we could affectionately call the rat test. If you can see it and smell it, so can a rat. And if there's enough residue that you think a rat might be attracted to that package, it's not clean. Do you have to be able to eat off of it? No, but you should be able to look at it and say, yeah, you know what, that's clean. If it sat in the hot sun for a week in my garage, it's not gonna smell. If you meet right. that standard, you're good to go. Good. I think that that alone is so helpful to people to just have a little context because we talk about clean, but we don't really get into the literally the nitty gritty of it. Um, and I appreciate that. So what is the difference that one person can make? Oh, gosh. Wow. Well, you know, my teenage daughter, who will be frustrated that I mention her in this context, uh, often cleans out her car and throws everything into a bag and then drops it in the trash can because she's in a hurry. And of course, dad goes out and finds that and there's a couple of glass bottles and a couple of Coke cans almost every time. And so I sort them out and clean them and get them where they're supposed to go and then scold her and then we repeat the cycle, which is, you know, typical. Uh, but every time you put something in the recycling stream, you're making a couple contributions and you may not even think of it that way, but what you're contributing to is first of all, because that's not going to a landfill, that's money that your community is not going to have to spend to take care of that uh, item in that landfill for the rest of time. Landfills cost money and we're running out of space, even in this big country and we don't want more of them. So that's number one. Number two when the material goes to the recycling center, guess what? People work there. You're creating jobs. And as you've already said, Jenny, you know, that that steel soup can 
that has embodied carbon in it. It is much more environmentally friendly to recycle that can than it is to go out and mine more steel. So you're making a contribution to the environment and to our collective future. Now, is one person's contribution by itself big? Depends on how you define big, but you know, with over 300 million Americans, those cans and boxes and bags and glass jars, those can add up really, really fast. So if you've got the option to send it the right way, it's always a contribution to do so. That's terrific. Thank you. I do think, you know, to to the point made by our friends at Cox, a lot of people doing a pretty good job can really make a difference. And we have the ability in this country to, to make that difference. And uh, thank you for your efforts to help us to accomplish our recycling vision in this country. Thank you, Michael. That was a, a great introduction to some of the topics that we'll focus on in the coming weeks around recycling. And now, the inspiration for this podcast, I'm going to sit down with my mom. That's right, my mom. I'm happy to introduce you all to Sally Kramer, who has been terrific since I joined Keep America Beautiful, about asking me about different aspects of my work. And many of those questions have focused on recycling and the realities of recycling in communities across the U.S. Sally lives uh, just across the Bay Bridge from Annapolis, Maryland, in a small sort of semi-rural community and uh, faces many of the recycling issues that people do across this country. So mom, thanks for joining us and thanks for coming with your questions. Well, thanks for inviting me. And it's just a lot of fun. We have a lot of questions over here about yeah. recycling and threats of this will increase and that won't, and we can't do what we're doing anymore. And so I got a little more interested, you know, where were things going and how was it working? And I said to Jen, can anybody help us? So here we are. And Great. I don't know if you wanted me to go ahead with some of my questions. Is that a good way to begin? Absolutely. Let's just jump right into it. Okay. Well, number one was, what do we do about all these paper or plastic bags we get? I mean, oh, can yeah. we toss them in the recycle bin? No, ma'am, you cannot. Plastic Boy. bags have no place in your recycling bin. They go separately and you can take them back to your local grocery store. I think you've got a Safeway near you or Target will take those plastic bags. Walmart will take those plastic bags back. They have actually an incredible recycling uh, drop-off at most Walmart locations, uh, but they do not go in your recycling. They actually really gum up the works. They get all twisted in the mechanics of a recycling center and can just throw the whole system off. Okay, well, thanks for that. And let's move on. Uh, I also, in fact, I think I even asked you this one. I said, sometimes I feel like I don't really get my tin cans really clean. Can I still toss that in recycling? Or yeah. do they have to be perfectly clean? You know, it, it there's a, a great litmus test. Uh, Michael Washburn joined us a little bit earlier and he, I think came up with on the spot and it's kind of yuck, but what he called the rat test. Can you see it? Can you smell it? Would it attract a rat? And if the answer to any of that question is yes, you should get it a little cleaner. 
Um, so it doesn't have to be perfectly clean, not clean enough to eat off of it. But if you can see gook and you can smell it, then it's not clean enough for recycling. Okay. Well, yeah. I've got a little, a little work to do on that. Um, I could do better, I think. Let's put it that Yeah. Way. You and yeah, me yeah. both. And, and, <laughs> and the idea is to keep trying, right? Like the, yeah. this is the more we all learn, the more everyone starts to do it better. Well, yeah, and I think I even mentioned to you that a lot of us here, and there are some seniors here in my community, we never heard the word recycling growing up. So we're learning as we go, okay? Um, also, I'm wondering when this happened last night, my iron broke down. What about that appliance? Can I toss that in recycling and, you know, other appliances for that matter, other electronics? Yeah, yeah. So it, no. There's not a place for your recycling for small appliances in your recycling. I think for, for you and for most people, the best thing to do is look at your solid waste uh, website on your town website. They usually have the Department of uh, Refuse or Solid Waste or something like that. And in there, they'll have guidelines for recycling. Oftentimes, there'll be announcements of small appliance recycling, electronics recycling, that's where those things can go. And so getting familiar with how to find that that local uh, uh, solid waste uh, place on your town's website is a good idea for everyone uh, to, to know how to find that person. Um, how about, can I recycle a curry instant coffee pot? Yes, you can. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, it takes a little bit of work. You have to uh, open those up and rinse them out, but they are recyclable. Wow, that's great. That's a yeah. good one. A lot of people yeah, are using those. Yeah, and that's a Mythbuster. A lot of people think those aren't, but in fact, if you take just a little bit of time, they absolutely are. The other thing about those Keurig cups, while they are recyclable, they're a number five recyclables, which is kind of the same as your yogurt container. So a pretty high number. So again, check with your community on what its recycling is and whether it takes number five plastics. Uh, what about recycling plastic utensils and that would include straws? Utensils are getting to be increasingly interesting. So you should look for those recyclable numbers, one, two, three, four, five, or whatever is recyclable in your community. Again, they should pass that test. Can you see the food? Can you smell the food? If not, then then sometimes those can be recycled these days. Straws yeah. are not recyclable. I hope we shed some light on this for everyone because we have a lot of questions here right now. Yeah. This, no, Mom, this will not, be great. Yeah. You're not the only one, right? It's why we're doing this podcast is those questions are so common and just helping people navigate will be um, a huge help. So thanks well, yeah. for helping us keep yeah. America beautiful. All right, great. Thanks. This has been a lot of fun. Well, that's our show for today. And I hope you learned something new about recycling. I know I did. I learned a little bit more about what to do with those plastic utensils, about some of the challenges facing recycling in America. But I also learned that when we put things into recycling, change happens, new products happen, and we all live a little more sustainably. Final thanks to my mom, Sally Kramer, 
and to our guest speaker today, Dr. Michael Washburn. To learn more about recycling and the work of Keep America Beautiful, please visit us at kab.org. Be sure to subscribe to Do Beautiful Things to be notified when our next episode drops. Coming up in this series, we'll discuss recycling behaviors, the life cycle of an aluminum can, the science behind PET plastic water bottles, and so much more. And maybe you'll even join me and my mom at a Murph. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.